if you will, this morning. And I'm going to be taking you to several different passages to read some scripture this morning from different places in the Word. And if you've been here the last four, five, six Sundays, you know that we have been talking about, and I've been talking to you about, hearing God's voice speaking to you. How many of you have, in the last weeks, since uh, the first part of the year, you've heard God speaking to you? Just raise your hand. Good. Thank you. Sometimes the pastor needs a little affirmation. God really is longing to and continuing to speak to his people. And and we've been talking about the way the Holy Spirit, God uses his spirit to speak to us and to work inside of us and to transform us and to make changes in us and to empower us and to cause us to move from where we are to where he wants us to be in these days. And this morning we're going to talk about Uh, a symbol or a way that the Spirit of God is identified in the Scripture. We're going to talk about that way this morning. The Scripture uses symbols or imagery to help us humans understand something beyond us. And really, my friend, God is way beyond us today. And God being infinitely powerful, the Almighty God, Creator above all things, to try to to take a measure of who he is and put it on the human level for us to understand is pretty amazing. And so he uses imagery, uses symbols in the scripture to say, this is like me, this is is a way in which I will work in your life. And so today today we're going to talk about one of those symbols. There's a lot of things in our world today that carry with it a symbol I was uh, born in Akron, Ohio, in Akron City Hospital, and uh, lived, have lived in this area a lot of my life. And uh, there are certain things that when you say Akron, Ohio, that are associated with Akron, Ohio. Now, those of us that are from this area, we can come up with those things pretty quickly, uh, and I was able to come up with some of those things this morning. But even people that live outside of this immediate area, if you name some of these things, they may say, oh, Akron, Ohio. For instance, the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Now, I have to name that one because my dad worked there for 35 years. And uh, my dad not only worked at Goodyear, he loved Goodyear. In fact, he wouldn't let us drive on any other tires beside Goodyear. I remember when I bought a car, which had good tires on it, and I took the car to let my dad see it, and he looked immediately at the tires. He didn't look at the engine, he didn't look at the interior, he went right for the tires, Kim, you'll understand this, and he looks at them, good quality tire, wrong name. He said, get those rags off of that car and put on some real tires. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Akron is known because of them as the... Thank you, everyone over the age of 50 knew that. The rubber capital of the world. How about the All-American Soapbox Derby? 80 years this year, boys and girls will come down that hill at Derby Downs near the Rubber Bowl and experience the Soapbox Derby. Now I'm going to get a little bit more personal. Luigi's. Luigi's. 60 years of pizza. 
some of my favorite pizza is at Luigi's. Or how about this one, Strickland's ice cream. Oh, you're, you're just, the more I talk about food, the more, you're, the more you're into this this morning. I remember as a young girl coming back to Akron because we lived in some other places, and my grandparents, my grandpa especially, driving us down to Strickland's in his 1964 64 Chevrolet, white with turquoise interior, and we would go down to the Akron Fulton Airport, and we would get our, our at the, at, in 1936, a nickel for a cone. What is it now, 210, 230, some crazy number? But we would get our ice cream cone, and then he would, he would drive closer to the airport, and he'd sit us on the hood of his 1964 Chevy, and we'd eat ice cream and watch the airplanes come in and out. So when you hear Strickland's, you think Akron, Ohio. All of these symbols of Akron, things that we think about when we think of, of Akron. This morning we're going to talk about some symbols or some ways in which God has tried to picture for us his Holy Spirit. You know, today I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, you know, Ladies, especially for us, we know when we see a true gentleman. He doesn't push, he, he's kind, he's gentle, he doesn't hurt. A true, real gentleman wants to be invited. The Holy Spirit is the same. The Holy Spirit is gentle with us. He, is, he doesn't push us. He's waiting for an invitation to come into our lives in a fuller way. He's waiting for an invitation. So today, as a believer and follower of Christ, if you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to just happen to you, he's not going to happen to you. He's going to come by invitation. And so I encourage you in your walk with the Lord to extend that invitation to the Holy Spirit, for he's a gentleman, yet he pursues. The Holy Spirit pursues us. I'm so glad that he does, because there are times where we're not pursuing him. Can you join that club with me this morning? There's times we're not pursuing the work of the Spirit in our life, but you know what? He's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. This morning, the symbol that we want to talk about is found in Matthew 3, and I know you're there in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 3. These are the words of John the Baptist. And if you remember John the Baptist in Scripture, you know that he's a fiery prophet. He came to set the pace, to prepare the way, to open the way for Jesus. In a family sense, he was Jesus' first cousin. And here in Matthew 3.11, he's standing in the presence of some religious leaders and He speaks some words, and he says this, John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water, verse 11, for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's fire today. And how that he comes in a fiery way. If you'll turn with me over to the book of Acts. We want to see the Holy Spirit's initial coming on the day of Pentecost. And 
we're going to notice there how the Holy Spirit is described when he comes. Go over to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read the first four verses there together. I want you to get there, so I'm going to wait a moment. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Not only do we see here that the the wind of the Spirit comes, but we also see the fire of the Spirit. And on the followers of Jesus, the 120 that were there in the upper room that day, the Spirit of God came as tongues or images of fire that rested on each one individually. I love the movie Son of God. If you've seen it or you're planning to see it, I recommend it to you. Because it takes an excerpt from the Bible series and it so beautifully portrays Pentecost. It shows the fire of God resting on each one of the followers that were there in the upper room. And so not only does Jesus say he will baptize with fire, that was the experience of the early disciples that day, that the Holy Spirit came with fire. It represents God himself. In Hebrews 12, 29, it says, Our God is a consuming, or in some versions it says, Our God is a devouring fire. God's a fire. He works in fiery ways in believers' lives. Fire, indeed, is a symbol of God's presence, his Holy Spirit. And there are qualities of fire that I want to talk with you about this morning that help you understand when the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and your life, he works in fiery ways. Last week we talked about the refreshing ways that the Spirit of God works. And many of you came to say, Lord, I'm dry, I'm thirsty, I'm open, I'm desiring the water of your Spirit to refresh me and quench me. Today we're going to talk about the Spirit of God being fire. And this fire has qualities about it, and there's a work that the Spirit does within us that's a very fiery work. First of all, this morning, fire reveals. Fire reveals. When fire is applied to our lives, it reveals what's there. When the Holy Spirit comes and you open up your life to the control of the Spirit, oftentimes the Spirit will come as fire and he'll turn the light on. He'll begin to reveal. What will he reveal? He'll reveal your heart. He'll reveal what's in your heart. Why? Because he needs to know? Oh, no, he knows. We need to know. We need to know what is in our heart. He reveals what we really are. And what is of precious value and what is not of precious value. Tests and trials have the same effect, don't they? According to James chapter 1, he said, Consider it joy when trials and tough times come upon you. Why? Because it tests us. 
fiery trials come to test what we're made out of. And we don't really know what we're made of until the test comes. We don't know how much we've studied until we sit down to take the test. We don't know how much we've learned. We don't know how much we've assimilated into our brain until we sit down in the classroom and we take the test. The test is proving ground. Trials, my friend, are proving ground for us. And not only are they proving ground, but they also perfect our faith. They make our faith strong. They help us to endure and persevere. So don't despise the trials and the tests. And if you're like me, our temptation is to despise them, to see how we can get rid of them, how quickly we can get through them, how quickly they can go away. God, I just want the trial to be gone. I want the pressure to be gone. I want the problem to be gone. And God says, I'm not going to take it away. I'm going to take you through it. I'm going to take you through it. And our journey through it will purify you, will make you strong, will build your faith, will help you to see me in ways that you've never seen me before. I think of Daniel and the fiery furnace. Remember the three Hebrew children. Remember their story. And remember that they went into the fiery furnace. Remember, God didn't didn't take them away from that experience. And yet their faith said, you know what? Even if you throw us into the furnace, we're not going to bow down. And so they were thrown in. And if you remember, when Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fiery furnace, how many men did he see walking around? He didn't see just Shadrach, just Meshach, just Abednego. He saw a fourth man likened unto the Son of God. It's a picture of what God does, what Jesus does when we walk through fiery trials. There's a fourth man. When you're walking through a fiery trial, remember, you're not alone. God is using the fiery place to perfect you, to strengthen you, and to clean you up. The Holy Spirit works as a revealer, a revealer of what is it that's within us. Go over a couple books to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to see a couple verses there about how fire works how the Holy Spirit works within our, within our lives. 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to read 12 and 13 together. The Apostle Paul is talking about our lives, and he's saying, if anyone builds on this foundation, Christ Jesus, using gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed how? He says it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will do what? It will test the quality of each person's work. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives, when we yield to his control, he begins to reveal our heart so that he can purify and burn up what is perishable, and he can purify and make strong what is of value inside of you. Have you ever had that work of the Spirit going on in you? It's not always comfortable, but it's a good work. It's a good work. Fire reveals. Next, fire refines, which kind of is a partner to revealing. Fire, the fire of the Spirit, refines 
In Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, you'll see them on the screen. Let me read these verses for you. Malachi describes God in this way, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when it happens or appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. What does it mean when the fire is applied to metal and it refines? What it means is it causes the valuable metal to remain in its pure form and it causes the dross, the impurities, to separate. When the Spirit goes to work in your life, what he does is he takes what's of him inside of you and he strengthens it. And he takes what is not of him, what's of our flesh and what's of our natural man and our own thinking and our sinfulness, and he burns it up. He burns it up. He lifts it out of us and he burns it away. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, Peter and all the followers there were refined. You know, the betrayal and the denial and the self-interest and the self-preservation and the self-preoccupation, the self-service self was burned away on that day. How do we know that? Because Peter, the preoccupied Peter, the self-focused Peter, the the self-protecting Peter wasn't so concerned about how he was feeling on the day that he stood up and gave one of the greatest messages of the early church. He wasn't self-consumed. He wasn't worried about what anyone was thinking of him. He was under the control. He was under the fire. He was under the presence of the Holy Spirit filling him, and he was out of himself that day. Now, if you read his sermon, it was theologically sound, it was, it was scripturally based. It was true. It was, it was the real deal. But Peter himself was abandoned to Christ in that moment. What happened to Peter? The fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit burned away his self-preoccupation. And he was controlled by the Holy Spirit's power. So much so... And if you read the story of the apostles, and not so much their beginning, but their end, it's amazing. It's not like good nighttime reading, but the Fox's Book of Martyrs is a, is a good thing to pick up. Why? Because, you know, we as, as, as believers in this day and age, you know, we think things are so hard. But you know what? When you pick up the stories of the original apostles, and how their lives ended. It's not so much how they died, physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, how they died. They died standing. They died with strength, with power, not to deny Christ. They died filled with the Holy Spirit, confident of their arrival in heaven, confident of the Christ that they had preached, confident in his resurrection, confident in his death. Nothing could move them, not even the sword, not even the upside-down cross that Peter was evidently hung upon, not even the boiling of the oil 
None of those things dissuaded these men. Why? They're human like we are. Why? The Holy Spirit was filling them, caused them to stand strong in the Lord. Fire reveals, fire refines, fire illuminates. Light's crucial to us. It's important, especially in these dark days of winter. I don't know when was the last time you ever tried to get dressed in a dark room. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Maybe your clothes are in the room where someone's sleeping, and you have to go in and kind of find your way. Where's the closet door? And then I'm just going to kind of grab some things, and where's my change? Where's my phone? Where's my... And you just start to search why. We weren't meant to exist in the dark. We weren't meant to fumble around, you know, trying to find a laundry room in a dark basement or trying to drive without your headlights on. Isn't that annoying? Not only for those that drive that way, but for those of us that are on the road with people like that, you know? Do you, you ever just, they're coming your way, they don't have headlights on, and it's like nine at night. And you're like flicking your headlights like, buddy! Hello, your lights aren't on. Come on. Give me a break here. I can hardly see you. You know, we were meant to live in light. The Holy Spirit desires to turn the light on for us in this dark world. To give us understanding, to give us wisdom, to give us insight when we don't have the insight that we need. We don't know which way to go, what path to take, what relationship to be in, what school to attend, who to marry, what job to take, what direction we go with our family. All of those questions, how do we get direction? It's the Holy Spirit, my friend, that illuminates or turns on the light and shows us the way. Jesus said in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. And I know that's a prophetical word there, what is to come for the world. But I believe it can also be personal there. What is to come for you? What direction to take? Why not ask the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, what decision should I make here? What direction should I take here? How should I move ahead in this relationship? Rather than sitting back and trying in your own strength and power to to try to evaluate and try to know in your own mind, oh, my friend, the Holy Spirit's bigger than our own minds. And he's given us minds, and he wants us to use those minds to his glory. But there's, a, there's the Holy Spirit's power, and he comes to turn on the light for us. But remember, he's a gentleman, so he's only going to come when we ask. When we ask, he illuminates. The Apostle Paul experienced this in his ministry. In fact, in chapter 15 of Acts, he talks about how that he was preparing to go to Asia to minister, and it says there in Acts chapter 15, it says, But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow me to go there. The Holy Spirit was involved in Paul's ministry in sending him and holding him back from certain places. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in our living so that we're moving and walking in the places that He is calling us into. It is those places that he will give us light. So the Holy Spirit reveals. He's a revealer. 
The Holy Spirit is a refiner. The Holy Spirit is an illuminator, turns the light on for us. The Holy Spirit is a fire that warms us. There's nothing like a good fire, especially during a long, cold winter. To turn on the fire, to be close to a fire, to be warmed by a fire. The Holy Spirit not only does those fiery works to cleanse us and to to work in us in ways of refinement, he comes to warm us. You know, our hearts can become cool. Our hearts can become indifferent and cold to the Lord at times, and it's the Holy Spirit's beautiful ministry to us to come and to warm our hearts by his presence. Sometimes our hearts can become cool toward one another, indifferent, kind of back away. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love, and he wants to melt us, mold us, warm us, take the chill off of our hearts toward one another. And it happens. That chill comes. It can come through cross words. It can come through things done. It can come through attitudes. It can come in a lot of ways. I just want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is a refiner and a revealer. Why? Because he wants you to know his presence in a deeper way. He wants to warm our hearts toward one another and toward him because he wants to come in a deeper way in your life than he's ever come before. But we have to allow him. We have to invite him. We have to ask him. And finally today, the Holy Spirit comes and fire is contagious. Fire is contagious. In fact, the book of Acts could probably be called contagious fire because when you read the book of Acts, you just see the contagious nature of the disciples as they're moving in ministry. People were not only drawn to them, but the Holy Spirit ministered through them to many others. Just the contagious nature of the fire of the Holy Spirit was not only upon them, but filled them and then moved through them, spread through them. And we see it in healings and we see it in miracles and we see it in casting out of demons and all of those things are fabulous But most of all, and best of all, I think that the contagious fire was seen in the power and the boldness of the first century church. That that church had boldness. That church had fire. That church was contagious. Why in the world did the church just grow so quickly and so rapidly? The fire of the Holy Spirit moving through the followers and believers there. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness and courage when your knees are weak and your tongue is stammering and when you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit steps in and gives you courage to step into the moment, to speak the words that need to be said. And you step back after that time and you say, I don't know where that all came from. Well, yes, you do. It's the Holy Spirit. He steps in. He moves in. He gives us the backbone and the courage that we need. 
We see it in the New Testament church because it spread to the Jews and then it spread to the Gentiles and then it spread to rulers and it spread to the common people. It spread to the people that were near. It spread to Europe, to India, to Asia. It spread to me. It spread to you. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do you feel that need? I do. I sense that need in the world today. And the fire, my friend, starts with what happens in us. The fire is a purifying fire. We can't move in the power that the Spirit will give until we move out of the purity that the Spirit gives. Remember, he is the Holy Spirit. His first work in us is to make us right, is to make us clean, is to do his work of cleansing in us, is to set us back on the right course, is to is to purify us and make us clean. And then once he's done that, then his ministry as fire continues on to refine and to illuminate and to fill and to cause us to be contagious. The fire of the Holy Spirit, my friend. I don't believe that the fire of the Spirit left the earth in Acts 28. I believe the Holy Spirit has fire. He's looking to fill his believers with his fire today. You might look at the clock and say, wow, Pastor Cindy, you're ending early every Sunday. Yeah, I am. (laughs) I am ending early. So for you that watch the clock, you've got some extra time. My purpose in these messages is not only informational, but they're experiential. It really doesn't do us a lot of good just to sit and only hear of the Holy Spirit, although that's good. We need taught and reminded. But we also need time to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. (laughs) I am in need of you, and I am open. I'm going to give you opportunity as a gentleman to come and work in my life in a fuller way than you had before. We need that today. We need a deeper work. We need a work that will strengthen what's strong in us and purge what's not, what's perishable out. We need the Holy Spirit today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that you have sent your Holy Spirit. As Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. That he would be the one that sent the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would baptize us with fire. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit 
For some of us, Lord, we need some cleansing. Our lives are not pure before you. We're wondering why you're not working in our lives the way we want you to, or our prayers aren't being answered, or it's hard to worship. Why? It could be that there's sin that needs to be touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit and removed. We need your fire, Lord, to make us right to clean us up, to purify us, to take away the dross and the impurities, Lord. The things we've done and the things we've said that aren't pleasing to you, Lord. They're just not. Lord, we need your fire to melt our hearts. To melt our hearts where they're cold and different toward you and toward others, Lord. We need your fire. So, Lord, in this moment, we're just going to wait. AJ, I'm going to ask if you will come and softly play. And as, uh, as we wait, if you, in your heart, feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, stirring your heart, speaking something about his fire in you, whether it be cleansing or, or warmth, or he's revealing something in your spirit that's, that needs to be given over to his influence in your life we're going to take a few minutes and I'm going to ask those that are sitting in the congregation if you'll just wait reverently and quietly and without any talking and if you're feeling the spirit of God tugging on your heart today and he's saying you you need my fire I'm inviting you to come but you have to receive the invitation He's a gentleman today. He's not going to force himself on you. But he sure wants to touch your life with his fire. He sure wants to clean you and cleanse you and melt you and mold you and make you and fill you and fill you. If you have a hunger this morning and you just want to come for a time of prayer, would you just get up out of your seat this morning and Join me here at the front. By doing so, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm opening my life to your work, your fiery work in me. I'm coming to you. Coming to you. Just get up out of your seat wherever you are and make your way to the front. The Holy Spirit's waiting for an invitation from you. He's waiting. He's waiting. He won't ever push himself on you. He won't ever make you respond to him. He only gently calls and he woos you and he speaks to you and he touches your spirit and your spirit kind of jumps within you. That's the Holy Spirit, my friend. That's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, come on. Come on, give me an invitation into your life. Yield. Yield, open up. Open up your heart. Open up your spirit. Let me, let me do more in your life. I'm already living in you. But give me an invitation to come in and to move in your life. 
touch your heart, to burn up that, that sin, to make you clean, to make you strong, to show you the way.